0: from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios. It's overtime with William Patterson and Dawson Wise joining you on a Wednesday evening. Thank you so much for being a part of today's show. 865-546-8200 your number if you want to hop in and join us today. A loaded episode for you guys. Also talking about Jim Harbaugh in the uh, in this hour as he headed out west to join the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll also give our uh, best bets and some updates on some key injuries uh, heading into the championship weekend this year or this weekend in the NFL. But we begin with this. and it's how far can Rick Barnes lead the vols? So the University of Tennessee men's basketball team moved to fifth in the nation in each major poll this week and had the sixth best odds to win the national championship as it stands. The Vols stand at 14-4 and 4-1 four and four and in SEC play, with three losses coming to top seven teams right now. According to Kempom rankings, the Vols are fourth overall, 19th in adjusted offense, second in adjusted defense, and second in strength of schedule. So all really nice in, in numbers right there. Uh, Dalton Connect, as we know, has been so special this year. He leads the Vols in scoring with 18.8 points per game. And we've seen some really impressive play from Zakai Ziegler and Jonas Adu as of late. Um, look, uh, looking at the remaining SEC schedule, um, what will the Vols' record be uh, by the end of the season? I think your ceiling is 14 or
1: 15 wins in conference play. I mean, you've got some tough matchups coming up. You know, home against Kentucky is not going to be easy. It never is. At Rupp is, is always you know yeah. a tough game. Uh, you still have to play Auburn as well. That's a really good team. Um, that's setting up to be a really great matchup Auburn's a very good team as well so yeah you know, I kind of give or take on those games I think you handle Auburn at home I think you probably beat that team Kentucky both those games are a toss-up we know that you know typically Rick Barnes does not lose both to Kentucky I think yeah. he's only been swept one time in his career at Tennessee so you expect to win at least one of those if not both yeah um, so your ceiling is ultimately going to be 15 and three or so in mm-hmm. conference play I think um, you know that that factors in also a, a potential slip up. If sure. you lose to an Arkansas yeah. or a South Carolina, you stuff to play South Carolina twice and yep. I mean they uh they Just, put it to Kentucky last night yeah. on their home floor. I did not expect them to win, but also, man, they made Kentucky look bad. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky they did. did not look good mm-hmm. at any point in that game. Uh, the other games you have, you have to go at A&M to College Station. That's not a, an easy place to play no. either. You have to go to Bud Walton to play Arkansas. Uh, you also, like I said, Auburn and Kentucky still remaining. Your ceiling is going to be about six or seven total losses, which is a really good season. It's, yeah. it's been the standard for Rick in, in the regular season to this point. Um, but three of those losses are to Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina, who all fa- are all favored to be one seeds at this point in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So, it's a really good resume, I think. Even with a couple losses here in conference play, I don't think that hurts your resume too much. You're you're really looking at a solid end of the season.
0: Yeah, so you know when I look at it, obviously uh, on the road at Vanderbilt this weekend should be a win there. Um, South Carolina at home, Vols have played really well at home this year. Uh, at Kentucky, I think we can, can maybe chalk that up as a loss. Tough environment to play in, very talented team, um, and they they do really well at home. So in that instance, I could see a loss there. At Texas A&M, I think, is a game that you're going to come in knowing it's going to be a ruckus environment. Um, They've already uh, taken down Kentucky in that stadium this year. Um, so I think that's a tough one. Arkansas as well, Bud Walton always gets going. Um, so those are a couple games and they're back to back as well. So um, that that's a stretch I'm looking for um, to see how Tennessee responds during that. Um, and then really, you don't really get into some competitive play until later in the season when you have Auburn, Alabama at South Car- or excuse me. Uh, Auburn at home at Alabama and South Carolina and then Kentucky at home those four games right there could very well be a two and two uh, a split or you know really could go either way Um, so I think that stretch to end the season is interesting as well so uh, uh, to me I think I'm right there with you ceiling 15 wins um, but also you know you could lose a couple of these A&M Arkansas Auburn Alabama South Carolina you don't know it's just um You know, the the SEC conference has gotten so much better at basketball over the past, you know, 10 years, we'll just say. Um, And really, any given night, a team can come out and punch you in the mouth. And we saw that last night with South Carolina-Kentucky. Kentucky's the clear better team. South Carolina hasn't uh, played really anyone this year, but they've done a really good job um, in kind of rebuilding that culture that uh, Frank Martin left them. And uh, I, I think that, you know, South Carolina did really well last night and just showed that you know, any given night you could lose in this league, and um, so to me, I'm right there with you around the 15 win mark. But I could also see some losses at Arkansas, at Texas A&M, um, at South Carolina as well. So um, that two game stretch, Arkansas, A&M, really important in those last four games at the end of the year. If I were a Tennessee fans, what that's what I would look like. Well, I will say I remember years in the
1: past where we actually got Kentucky at home first, and uh-huh. then had to go to Rupp in that last stretch of the year. I'm glad we get them at home to end the year. I think yeah. that's going to be huge. You get your trip to Rupp out of the way early, yeah. Um, and and that's going to I think swing that stretch. Yeah. I think if you had back to back to back games traveling to South Carolina, to Alabama, and to Rupp, I mean, then you're talking about that's a horrible stretch of basketball. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of not that Tennessee's not a good team, not going to show up for those games just those are tough games in this conference mm-hmm. so i think it it works out better i like auburn and kentucky at home being at home at the end of the season i think that bodes well to at
0: least go two and two if not better than that yes most definitely um so now let's kind of move into rick barnes here um in five appearances to the ncaa tournament under barnes uh, the vols have been to the sweet 16 twice but have never advanced any further obviously remember last year against florida atlantic and then a couple of seasons prior to purdue Is Rick Barnes capable of taking the Vols to an Elite Eight and beyond, especially with this team? He
1: hasn't proven it yet at Tennessee. Uh, Now, granted, I think this is his most talented team. You could argue between this team and the Grand Admiral team, um, which is the more talented from top to bottom. This one is making a case. Uh, I think having a guy like Dalton connect gives this team a little bit of an edge Mm talent-wise. You didn't have that much of a consistent score on that team as as many great efforts as we saw Grant Williams have on that team you didn't have that go-to he's going to handle the ball yeah. run the offense guy um, so I think he automatically maybe buys you an extra win in the tournament mm-hmm. uh, this team is they're, they're primed for it they're playing like a team that's ready to go deep in the tournament uh, it's just you know can they execute against these weird and I'm not saying weird Purdue teams in 2019 but like teams like that you got to win those games. No excuse to lose to FAU last year yeah. by any means. Um, so you know for me also they've played in big games already this year I think Mm -hmm. that's huge we haven't done that in the past we've been to these preseason, in-season tournaments like Battle for Atlantis Mm -hmm. but I don't think we've ever played a resume Mm -hmm. like we have this year Purdue Kansas North Carolina I think Wisconsin was a bit bigger game than maybe we all thought at the time yeah with them being now you know relatively relatively good I mean they're a good team they're inside the top 20 I think that's a more impressive win the longer the season goes so to have those games early it prepares you for the tournament if he's gonna do it, it's gonna be this year. Yeah, it's the most talent he's had. We're prepped for a big run. The team is playing on all cylinders right now, and I mean they're they're primed. Just just can Barnes coach them to it. Yeah,
0: I think the the roster they have and the Vols have, I should say, is is completely equipped to to do well in the tournament. You've got a a closer and don't Connect. You've got plenty of seniority and and veteran. Guys on your roster, guys that have been there before, experience is the word I'm looking for. Um, And as we're going to talk about here in a minute, some of those guys have to step up too. Vescovi, Josiah, Jordan, James, guys that have been there multiple times. But I think you have a really good combination of experience and uh, having a closer, really good defense, Um, and also, I mean, you're well coached. And I think Barnes might not have had the success in the tournament that we have wanted from him, but. Tennessee, over the last you know seven years he's been here, has been, outside of his first two years, has been consistently a threat in the tournament and a threat to any team. So I think um, it, it comes down in the tournament a lot to matchups and who you're against. And the only thing that worries me is the center depth. And in a, in a situation where Adu gets in foul trouble, like we've seen a couple times this season, is that a type of game that knocks Tennessee out? of the tournament and that's my biggest question my biggest concern but I think if you're able to counter that and and really look at everything else then yes on paper and and what they've proven so far this season is yes this is a team that can make a run and um I I think that's why even Vegas says that this is a a team in the top six I mean I, I can't think the last time Tennessee was that high in a in a national championship uh I guess what odds odds race I'll say.
1: Well, and they they always say there's a certain group of teams before the tournament that yes. you know are in the pool to win the national championship. There's yeah. only you know what is it, eight to ten teams that can realistically win mm-hmm. a national championship. So, to even be in that group is huge. I think it also is going to come down to who you line up with in the bracket. I mean, yeah. because Lenardi's bracketology today, if it pans out that way, I just I don't like that region. You already have lost to North Carolina this year already. You have to play Kentucky twice. You certainly don't want to see them three, maybe four times if you see them mm-hmm. in the conference tournament. I don't like that. I don't like Creighton being in that region either. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, explain a couple of the teams in that region.
1: So let me, i got to get back to it okay. here. Um, okay. but it's Lenardi's bracketology from today uh, that – Tennessee had stayed put. Creighton was the team that actually moved. They replaced Kentucky as the three okay. seed uh, in what would be the North Carolina region as the one seed. Uh, and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to find it again. Oh, okay, good, but, but a couple, um, just a
0: couple of the teams that were in there. So Creighton, um, yeah, North so, Carolina. Yeah, I mean,
1: North Carolina at the one. Tennessee at the two. Creighton at the three. And Kentucky at the four.
0: Those are um, really, know yeah.
1: You'd be seeing Kentucky a lot earlier than you'd want to mm-hmm. in the March Madness tournament, and there were several others like. I think if I had to pick at this point, you'd probably want the Houston region. I mm-hmm. think they'd be the easiest one seed yeah. theoretically to to have in your region and have a chance at getting out be of a, that region. Yeah. Um but let me see. Here it is. So okay. the other four or the other three regions, so Houston would have Arizona as their two seed obviously a very beatable Arizona team. Mm-hmm. We've seen them fall a couple times yeah. already. Illinois, who we don't know what they're going to do yet. It obviously depends on how the situation unfolds with Terrence Shannon. And he, he over returns. the past couple weeks now, he yeah. is back. Yeah. Uh, he actually checked in the other night, I think, um, to their game. But, again, still an ongoing situation uh-huh. over there in Illinois. So, And then Dayton, which I think Dayton is a very sneaky good basketball mm-hmm. team, as they have been a lot in couple the past. But uh, the other two regions, UConn would be the one seed in their region with Wisconsin, Marquette, and Baylor. I like that region for Tennessee a lot, <laughs> yeah, if you too. get the two in that one. Yeah. Uh, besides UConn, I, I think UConn is, is arguably the best team in the country, yes. maybe besides Purdue. Uh-huh. Uh, but other than that, if you get Marquette, Wisconsin, or Baylor in that region, you've already beaten Wisconsin once this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue's region, I don't like this one either for Tennessee. It'd be Purdue, Kansas, Auburn, Duke. That's a that's yeah. another one like Tennessee's current positioning. Mm-hmm. just I don't like any of those nah. teams getting that one, but – it, it all just depends because, like you said, with matchups, it comes down to a team perspective, mm-hmm. I think, too, yeah. where you match up with teams that you can or can't beat, depending on what matchups you get.
0: Yeah, if it so if it stood as it is, you've got, uh, let's see, so North Carolina, mm-hmm. a, a dominant big. Creighton, a dominant, a dominant big. Um, Kentucky doesn't have necessarily a dominant big, but they've got a, a plethora of guys that can make a lot of plays and make you run around. Yeah. Um, so if that were to stand, I mean that's a tough draw, and that's half of the NCAA tournament as well. I mean you could have the the best team in the regular season all year, but matchup wise, they could play a team that just matches up a lot better than them, and they don't they look a shell of themselves. Absolutely. So um, I think as we you know tie it back into you know making a run here, um, I think it also has a lot to do with the draw you get, and I think as you alluded in, in that bracketology, just some different scenarios. You know, it's just kind of the luck of the draw. If we're yeah. up, if we end up in that, um, you know, that Arizona bracket with, um, you know, Marquette and and um, I guess UConn was in it as well. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Now Arizona was in the Houston. Okay, okay, region okay. in this one. It was least. UConn, Marquette. Who was Wisconsin? Baylor? And Baylor. Yeah, and that's like that right there. If Tennessee is like a a two in that group and having to play a Baylor. Um, or a, you know a Wisconsin, like those are teams that are beatable in my opinion, and I think Tennessee would match up well against them. But again, it's just the luck of the draw. Um, so now let's move into who is the X factor on this team for a deep run? And I think this is something we'll have a, a similar opinion on here. And we've we've talked over the past couple of weeks about getting a couple of these guys back involved. Um, Jordan Ganey, and, and Josiah Jordan-James and, and Santiago Vescovy, are any of those in your X-Factors? Uh, well, the obvious
1: answer that we'll get out of the way is Dalton Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, you don't have to say anything more than that. He's yeah. game-changing talent, can take over a game, can take over a tournament run. Uh, I think Vescovy is also one you have to look at, at least um, quickly. If a veteran guy like that gets rolling, he can help the team in more ways than one, on the court and off the court, I think with mm-hmm. his leadership as well. For me, it's Jordan Ganey. And I think, you know, we've seen this before in the tournament with a spark-plug sixth man that comes off the bench and hits big shots, Mm -hmm. and I had a few written down. Uh, For Tennessee, I think the most obvious example would be Lamonte Turner Mm -hmm. a few years back on the Grand Admiral team. Uh, Great spark off the bench. It Mm could hit a a few big shots, in fact, did throughout his Tennessee career. Uh, But for other teams, Tennessee fans are going to remember Purdue's Ryan Klein, who scored 27 points in that Sweet 16 game Mm -hmm. and hit What seemed to be every three he shot went in the basket. Uh, You also can go back to Shabazz Napier as a freshman at UConn. What a run that they had. He was a big contributor. Hit the free throws that sent them to the national championship Mm game. Um, And then the year after that, Kentucky's Darius Miller, who – has the record for the most games played in a Kentucky uniform mm-hmm. um, and slid to the bench when they had those big recruiting classes in 2011 and 2012, but still was a huge contributor. He scored 13 in the Final Four against Louisville in, yeah. in 2012. So if you have a guy like that that can come off the bench and give you a spark and hit big shots, that proves to be huge for a tournament team mm-hmm. And if you want to get to the championship and convert.
0: Yeah, I think the tournament as well, is just really college basketball in general, but it's a game of runs. And I think in the tournament sometimes runs – uh, are really what changes a game. Like a team can go on a uh, a 0 run in you know three minutes, four minutes, and that totally breaks up in the game. So having that spark plug off the bench, having the ability to knock in two threes, three threes right off the bench, that's how you you know get a sizable advantage in one of those games. Uh, to me, I think the X factor is, is vescovy and I, I know that might kind of seem a, a generic take, but. Um, Vescovy's been the guy for a while here, and I think he's kind of fallen out of the rotation uh, of being a, a consistent scoring threat and a consistent player like we've known him to be. And in a tournament, when you need guys that have the experience, uh, there's no one on the roster that has more experience in a tournament game than Vescovy. So I think that those kind of moments are where players like him need to come up in big moments because – you know, no shade to connect, but he hasn't played in as a big of a game as an NCAA tournament game. Uh, Ziegler and Adu have played in big games like that, but you need some help from those guys that have been there before that aren't you know uh, just afraid of the, of the bright lights, if you will. So, I think if uh, if Tennessee wants to make a run, you got to get some performance um, from not only Vescoby, but also Josiah Jordan James, and it doesn't have to be you know thirty point performances. It just needs to be consistent. And, and and making an impact in his minutes and in, in their minutes. Well, that's what we've been saying for the last several weeks. Yeah. I
1: think we've said it a number of times that you don't need them to lead the team in scoring. You just need them to hit a few buckets and keep up momentum and, and hit big shots. It's similar to Jordan Ganey, but it's also – I think it's different. It's yeah. more for their presence than anything for their veteran presence if they can convert – you know, especially convert into some points – um, but, yeah, you don't need game-changing performances out of them at this point with the players that we have. You just need a little bit of production here and there that, that keeps the balls rolling, keeps the offense rolling, and can settle the team down in a big game for some guys that haven't
0: been there before. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. A six five five four six eight two zero zero. your number if you want to hop in and join us here on this Wednesday night edition of Overtime. When we come back, we'll ask the question, is Jim Harbaugh headed out west?
2: Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just got to start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get a White Claw
1: Vodka Soda. Your not taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. J.B. Smooth only drinks vodka
2: soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw Vodka Soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda.
3: Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at ParksideKia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia
2: where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit Rogers Hydrant
4: 865- or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today.
0: They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
4: And met her down it, She said that she saw me walking in about a mile away Bean just had to take her phone and I just took her smile away She said I'm too drunk and crazy She don't like the way I dance I said you don't have to
0: join in She said she take a chance I've been kind of crazy ever since Back here on segment number two of our number one here on Overtime And let's uh, talk about Jim Harbaugh Now uh, possibly headed out west for real it was reported by Jordan Schultz today that Jim Harbaugh will not be doing his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons today and is reportedly still in L.A. The Los Angeles Chargers remain the favorite to land Harbaugh, but there has been no announcement on his intentions to leave Michigan. Now, we haven't talked about this in a couple, uh, I guess, since the national championship game and and the, the hangover from that, but should Harbaugh make it official and move on from Michigan now? I think it's a
1: home run, right? I mean, it, you want to if you want to go back to the nfl the chargers we've been saying for a few weeks now is the single best opportunity because you don't really have to rebuild you only have to get a couple more pieces you've got your franchise guy in place long term um and he's ready to win yeah uh, and he just needs the right guy at the helm brandon staley was clearly not the right guy no i think jim harbaugh is uh, i think he can do enough to develop herbert even more uh, build weapons around him and he's been there before he's yeah. been to the doorstep of an nfl championship um and so he knows how to get there uh he knows how to get there out west he's done yes. it before um and so i think he is the home run hire if that's who they decide to go with he's not reached the mountaintop at michigan he, yeah. there's nothing left theoretically for him to achieve now he could go back and continue to win championships mm-hmm. But I think that's hindered by the fact that we don't know the results of the NCAA investigation yet. That still is looming over Michigan, mm-hmm. um, you know. And at some point, they're going to get the results from that. And if he's still there, you know, all of a sudden he's pretty well stuck. Mm-hmm. He gets sanctioned. Uh, if he leaves, he can go to the NFL, get away from that, put that in the rearview mirror, uh, and really start to to win at the NFL level again, uh,
0: and try to get over the mountaintop in the NFL as well. Yeah. Look, uh, I think it, as you said, he's he's hit his peak at the the college level. The ultimate achievement as a head coach in college football is to win the national championship, win the college football playoff, and he's done that. He's done that as, at his alma mater, um, where he grew up being a fan of. Um, I, I think he there's nothing left to prove, and after how rocky this season was, and and think of what. You know, think of what you will with Jim Harbaugh and what Michigan did this year. Um, but the bottom line is, they won the championship and they won it by playing football. So what happened after off the field or before the season has no uh, real. I, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't care about it. They won. So um, to me, I think he's done everything he possibly could, and he's won the highest and greatest achievement there is in college football. It's time to move on, and I think the NFL, where he was before. Is still calling his name, and he has the opportunity to win a Super Bowl, the highest achievement in the uh, professional level of football. And I, I don't understand why he would not take up this opportunity with a another NCA investigation looming. Um, I, it's 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 just going to be a mess, and he's going to want to get out of it halfway through, leave on a good note. You know, you fulfilled your promise, you brought it back. Just go, and, and no one's going to be mad. Everyone understands. They know what's what's going on, you know, take the better opportunity. I think that's the NFL. And, you know, we'll get into the Chargers here for a second. But um, I think Los Angeles is the destination for him. It's win ready, a win now roster, um, a new GM and owner. It's a lot better situation than it was when Staley was running around there. Um, the Chargers have missed on so many coordinators. This is a guy that's a head coach. I think it's a good situation for both of them. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm moving on from Michigan and taking this opportunity. Well, and if you take a look at the state of the
1: AFC this year, I mean, relatively a down year for a lot yeah. of the top teams. So you got to see that if you're Harbaugh and realize I can go and I can win immediately and potentially make the playoffs next year with the Chargers. I, I have no doubt in my mind the Chargers have a roster that is ready to make the playoffs they just yeah. need the right guy to coach them to the playoffs and in an AFC that seems to be now wide open a little bit at least yeah. you know towards the bottom we know what the Chiefs bring to the table uh, we know what the Ravens are bringing to the table mm-hmm. and a couple of other teams but you know at, at the tail end of that go make the wild card you could easily yeah. do that in year one if you take this job and and have immediate success
0: should it be Harbaugh or bust for the Chargers yeah I, I mean
1: your level of options drops off I'd say considerably, after Jim Harbaugh in terms of the quality you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still think you could make a good hire um, if you go after a Ben Johnson or someone like that, but if you want to win right now and want someone who has a pedigree of winning right now, Harbaugh is your only option for that at this point. It's the only one that makes sense, and I think it's the only one that's going to have the level of success that that we can say, you know what, they're going to win, and they're
0: going to win right now. So a couple of things for me with the Chargers. Um, Let's first off talk about the the location they're in, they've got the Lakers, they've got the Dodgers. the Clippers about to get a new stadium. The Rams won a Super Bowl. The Chargers are—you know—I don't know if you've watched the Chargers games this year, but there are not that many fans there wearing uh, Chargers mm-hmm. colors and bolts. Um, it's a—it's—it's it's a team that is desperate for attention and some juice uh, for a fan base that really doesn't exist in a very popular destination for sports, and quite frankly, other people are more interested in the other teams there. So you've got to make a home run higher to bring that interest back and make this team viable again. So from the perspective of where they are, they need to get back in the race of being a a team that people care about in Los Angeles. The second thing, they've missed on way too many assistant coaches as of late uh, to, to have uh, to hire another one, in my opinion. I, I really love Ben Johnson. I like a a couple. I love the Callahan pickup yesterday for the Titans, but Harbaugh is not a coordinator. He's a head coach everywhere he's been uh, over the last, you know, every spot he's been coaching as of late. You're getting a head coach, not a coordinator, a guy that knows how to control a team and knows how to be a leader of a team and knows how to take a team to the Super Bowl at the NFL level. Why the hell would you not bring that in? It's a competitive market in L.A. You've missed on coordinators. You're hiring a head coach. You have a win-now roster with a generational quarterback. It's a perfect marriage for both these guys. For the Chargers, it brings them back into the light. For Harbaugh, it gives them an opportunity with a great roster. Um, obviously, needs a little bit of retooling. Uh, getting a little old on the defensive side of the ball, got a lot of money on that defensive side of the ball, but they've got a lot of options and, and a lot of great players on this roster up and down. Um, I think if they just draft better, and, and protect Herbert and also retool that defense a little bit. This is a team that could definitely be in the playoffs next year under Harbaugh, in my opinion. So, uh, to me, is it Harbaugh or bust? Hell, yes, it is. It is, yeah. Yeah, so um, that is our, our segment on the Chargers. Now let's move into the championship weekend. Some key injuries heading into this championship weekend. A bad time to be uh, visiting the doctor. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter confirmed that the 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel will not practice today, and his status for Sunday's NFC Championship game remains uncertain. In addition to Samuel, Schefter reported that Chiefs Pro Bowl guard Joe Thune will not practice today with his pec injury, and in the words of one source, is unlikely to play Sunday versus the Ravens, but is, quote, going to work like crazy to play. The 49ers, will begin with them, are 0-2 with Debo Samuel this year. Uh, Does Debo Samuel's injury put even more pressure on Brock Purdy? Absolutely.
1: I mean, he loses what arguably is the most dynamic weapon on that offense. You know, I don't – at least in the receiver group, I mean, you could argue that it's CMC, you could argue that it's George Kittle, but in the receiver group, it's absolutely Debo Samuel because of what he can do. Uh, he can go up and get balls at both levels of the defense. He can run out of the backfield. He's so dynamic, um, and just provides an extra boost to an offense that you know we had worried for a while about the quarterback play, but said, "All right, well, his weapons are going to hold him up." And mm-hmm. in a case where he is without Debo, you still have Ayuk, Kittle, Jawan Jennings, Christian McCaffrey. Even Ray-Ray McLeod I thought looked okay in that game against Green Bay last yeah. weekend. He's not Debo Samuel by no. any means at all, but, you know – Debo provides you a boost that now if you lose him, Detroit's able to adjust. Mm-hmm. They're able to stretch a little bit less thin. Yeah. Um and you can focus in on those three or four weapons now and not have to worry about the effect that Debo Samuel is going to have. This I mean, this is a, a huge injury for the Niners if they lose Debo Samuel. Uh, there's already pressure on Purdy with yeah. Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. If he's out, he's gonna have to go make a play now for sure. And uh, we just we like we said yesterday, we don't know if we if he
0: can. Yeah, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join our talk about the championship weekend. Um, Debo Samuel's impact is, is, is huge for this team. We saw them struggle in the middle of the year, um, have these stats right here. So 49ers offense with Debo Samuel on the field and off the field this season. So on the field, 688 total plays, 7.3 yards per play, um, a plus .19 EPA per play, and 52.3% success rate. Now when he's not on the field, uh 400 total plays, 5.9 yards per play, a negative 0.02 EPA per play mm. and a 44.3% success rate. So his impact is is more than just you know uh, catching footballs and making plays. His impact is also when he's on the field because that draws attention and, and and for a defense having to guard all these guys, um, it's a lot harder to pick and choose which ones are you going guard compared to, okay, well, he's out, so let's just focus on McCaffrey and Kittle this play, okay? Um, you know it, That situation makes it a lot easier for a defense, and you don't want to be making anything easier during this time of the year. Um, so does it put even more pressure on Brock Purdy? I, I think it does because they've not been as good without Depot this year, and that also – is including games Purdy played in. So uh, Purdy, and we'll talk more about him later in the next hour, but he's already a guy that many people, including you and I both, um, are worrisome about his ability to make a play in a big game and not follow the script of a play. I'm talking about make a play, you know, go off script like all great quarterbacks can do. We don't, We have not seen that from Purdy. Um, so I think now taking another key receiver out would now kind of force him or, or or I guess give the opportunity for him to have to make a play on his own uh, would increase. So I think uh, Debo Samuel being out would be a huge, uh, huge miss for them. Now he's not confirmed to be out, and um, this isn't necessarily saying he will be, but not practicing in the week signifies, okay, there's – there could be a reason and and he very well could not play on Sunday which I think would really hurt them. Well, and even if he's in, you know, how close to 100%, 100% is he going yeah, to be yeah. because I mean when he came out of that game last
1: weekend, I immediately thought, "Oh man, like that did not look good when no. he came off the field." Now he I think he came back on the field for a couple of plays, immediately left again and went to the locker room. Mm-hmm. Just was not a good sign. Even if he is able to play, you worry you know, how how much of DeBo are you really getting?
0: Yeah. And uh, so now let's move over to this Ravens Forty Nine or excuse me Ravens Chiefs game, um, and the Ravens are number one in defensive DVOA. Joe Tooney has been so good for them, uh, a huge piece of that offensive line. Does that injury increase or excuse me decrease the, the Chiefs' chances of winning on the road? Maybe a little bit, but I don't
1: think it's as much as as some may think, uh, because of who they have running their offense. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, time after time, we've been able to see him stretch the pocket, extend the play, roll out, make a throw, roll out, use his legs to make plays. So it's certainly a very impactful loss, especially on the interior of the offensive line against a Ravens defensive line that has been excellent this season. Uh, But I don't think, you know, if it was... If it was somebody like Brock Purdy, for example, Mm -hmm. then yeah, I would say it would be extremely impactful to their chances of winning this game. But because it's Mahomes and he found something in Buffalo last weekend on the road, I just don't see this as decreasing their chances that much. Uh, Certainly, you lose a presence like him, a veteran guy, a Pro Bowl guy on the line, it's going to decrease it a little. But I just don't think it's going to make that much of an impact.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, to me, I think this is a, a, a very big loss for them. If he's not able to go, that's a Pro Bowl offensive lineman against a really good defense that puts a lot of pressure on you. They did it with C.J. Stroud last week. Now Patrick Mahomes is not C.J. Stroud, but I think last week in that Bills game, I thought the Bills made a big mistake by dropping back in coverage instead of pressuring Mahomes. And now you know the Ravens are probably going to do the exact opposite of that, and they're going to put a lot of pressure on them. Now you're missing a starting offensive lineman who's one of the best in the league at his position, I think that's a really tough break for them. And uh, I'm not saying that that line completely collapses without him, but I mean that that's a hole that now is a little bit kind of being duct taped right now if he's not able to play. Um, so I, I think that'd be a huge miss for them. And you're already playing on the road in a very tough environment where the Ravens have had a lot of success this season. Um, nine times this year, they've won by 14 plus points against winning teams. Uh, I think. You have to come in as healthy and as as good as you can in a game like this. And a loss to an offensive lineman is a really big miss for them. So uh, hopefully he's able to play as well. I know it was reported that he's going to do everything he can to try and play. But ultimately, um, if, if, it's, if it's being worded as that, it probably doesn't seem like he should be playing. So then it might be – Well, you know, even if he plays, it's not going to be really beneficial for him. So um, I guess out of these two, which injury is more impactful? For me, it's Debo
1: Samuel uh, because of what he brings to that offense. Like you said, even just his presence on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think it also is because of the worries we have with, with Brock Purdy. We know even without Joe Thune, yeah, it might be a little bit tougher for Mahomes, but Mahomes has proven multiple times over the course of his career, including just last week, that he can go make a play, Mm -hmm. several plays, that win his team a ballgame. Brock Purdy has not proven that yet. Losing a weapon is going to make it tougher on him. This is a Detroit team that's going to be walking into San Francisco, I mean, fired up. This is their biggest game in 30 years. Mm -hmm. And it's just not a good recipe to me. It really worries me after that Frisco offense was dormant at times with Debo Samuel Mm -hmm. in the game against Green Bay – Detroit, better talent-wise, yeah, maybe not in the secondary, but yeah. still better talent-wise, especially up front, I don't know. It's just not a great recipe for me. I think Debo's more impactful.
0: Yeah, I think Debo's more impactful as well with those numbers I just presented earlier. I think his you know his impact this season was, was severely missed in those two games without him and when they went on that slide. Um, so I, I think playing a team like the Lions, who um, have a big hole in their secondary, which we talked about on Monday, uh, missing a guy in Samuel is, is not going to do you any, any favors beating that and, and exposing that secondary. So um, I, I think missing Samuel will be a really big miss for them if he's not able to go. I'm just going to put more pressure on Brock Purdy's shoulders, which we haven't really seen much of that um, before, especially not in this moment. So um, I think that's a bad break uh, for the 49ers. Real quick, I uh, want to talk about the Eagles real quick before we head to break. Uh, interesting quote today from Nick Sirianni. Um, and yesterday we talked a little bit about Brian Johnson leaving, um, at the end of the episode, if he was, if he were a scapegoat for Sirianni. And, um, one of my points was, you know, if you're only as good as your coordinators are, then maybe you shouldn't be coaching in the NFL, um, as a head coach, that is. And Sirianni today followed that up. He might've been listening yesterday, but he goes, my job is to be the head coach of the team, not the head coach of the offense and not the head coach of the defense. So, uh, basically, kind of alluding to uh, it was his coordinator's fault for the success that they started with and then completely had a collapse for this season. So, he's kind of, in a sense, they're saying, hey, we just got rid of the problems and now we're going to get back to winning because of me. But all their success came from Gannon and Steichen. And this year, you hire two guys, and the team looks completely
1: different. Can I change my answer to yesterday's question of whether or not he's a scapegoat? Because yesterday I was like, "Well, I don't really think so." Yeah, uh, he definitely seems like one now. I feel like that answer is pretty obvious. What what uh, what he's trying to say there? Yeah, uh, I, I'm very
0: surprised he said that. I I, I was threw him under the bus. Well, Sounds like to me a little bit. Well, it throws him under the bus, but also just like the, I guess the what's what's the word for it. Uh, the fitness to be a coach in this league is kind of stripped there um, for, for Sirianni. Cause if you're saying that, you, I mean, what if the head coach of the team, but you're not coaching the defense or the offense? What, what does that mean? That's, I think that's a silly quote and a terrible look for him when he was already kind of on the hot seat. I, I they're, they're keeping him. It, it seems, but I don't, I don't know why or how you let your coach go out and say that. Well, and he also hired
1: Brian Johnson he brought Brian Johnson in to be his offensive coordinator so for him to to it it almost sounds to me like he's saying well I had no control over who coached my offense and who coached my defense yeah Uh, you did I mean those are guys that you promoted you brought in to do those jobs
0: I don't it's just it's a weird quote for guys that you hired to do that job yeah and a little bit of breaking news here this is a little bit from earlier Uh, and Vic Fangio Um, And the Miami Dolphins have mutually decided to part ways. Vic Fangio is is supposed to be um, headed to Philadelphia. Uh, Sirianni says they've not committed to him yet. But Fangio, I think, is a very good defensive coordinator. I'm surprised the Dolphins are are moving away here. Um, It it was said in the report that um, he wants to move closer to home, to family. Um, But still, I mean – I, I I thought it was a little bit surprising. Now, Fangio would be a really good hire for the Eagles, so maybe uh, Nick Sariani doesn't have to worry about coaching anymore if Fangio comes over. Yeah, and produce some – yeah, he had some
1: rough efforts, I think, with the defense in Miami last season. I mean, the 50-plus the points yeah. he went to Baltimore stands mm-hmm. out, but – I mean, how much of that is purely on his defensive coaching and how much of that is the offense stalled 100 times in that game? It felt yeah. like every drive they came out, they'd go three and out and they'd give the ball right back. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's only so much he can do when your offense is not producing in some of those bigger games against good teams. So I agree. I think it's a great hire if they manage to, to get him back in
0: Philly. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense isn't out there scoring for teams either. So, like, I, I thought they held their own in that Chiefs game. The The offense just couldn't move the ball. Um, so I don't know if necessarily it's a scapegoat move from the Dolphins. I think um, if the report's true, he just wants to get closer to home. Good for him. Um, but that'd be a great hire and a great pickup for the Eagles if they want to turn this thing around next season. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on overtime.
2: White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At eight percent alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-Pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options from classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows,
3: Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the Lifetime Warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at ParksideKia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parks, Ikea, where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is worn down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family-owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's Fabric, S-U-N and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio.
0: Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards homeownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com.
2: Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit RogersHydrantService.com.
0: Back here on Overtime. We've got some breaking news real quick. Um, Luckily, we got this segment done at the beginning of the hour. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has officially accepted the position for the Los Angeles Chargers. Kind of feels right on cue. They might have been listening to us, Dawson. Um, (laughs) But uh, quick reactions before we get into our best bets. I think, as we just talked about in that last hour, or in this hour, I should say, um, the best hire available Best spot for Harbaugh if he wants to make the jump to the NFL. Um, I think there's a home run for both, both sides. Absolute home
1: run, grand slam, best tire you could have made, and uh, thanks to the Chargers organization for listening to Fan Run Radio. There we go. Because on cue, the news comes out right as we go to break after talking about Harbaugh.
0: Yeah, there we go. They're trying to catch us off guard. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into our best bets real quick. Uh, I'll begin with Illinois minus three. Uh, Illinois comes in top 30 in defensive and offensive efficiency. Uh, Northwestern shooting 36% from three this season and struggles rebounding. Illinois Illinois is a very lengthy team which we saw come in here to Knoxville a couple weeks ago um, I like Illinois favorite on the road I know I kind of stay away from taking uh, road teams in, in small small lines but I like Illinois minus three tonight um, next one up I've got Alabama minus uh, three and a half yeah mi- minus three and a half tonight Nate Oates bounce back spots they are so good Every time they come off of a bad loss, an embarrassing one like they suffered on Saturday, Uh, Nate Oates does a great job getting this team back ready to play at home in a rivalry game. Laying three and a half, you can't you can't not take this in my opinion. Um, So Alabama minus three and a half, and a very similar spot for Nevada as well. Nevada playing at home against Colorado State, Um, a very good Colorado State team um, with uh, Stevens, who's one of the best. Best uh, point guards in college basketball, but they're coming off three straight losses. Favorite tonight against a Colorado State team that's won two games in a row. Um, I like Nevada here a lot. I think they're going to come out really hot. They shoot the ball well at home. Uh, Give me Nevada tonight, minus 4.5. My three bets. Illinois, minus 3. Alabama, minus 3.5. Nevada, minus 4.5. I think we're going to have a
1: friendly wager again tonight. I went the opposite way. I love the Oates bounce-back spot, but at the same time, I took Auburn plus three and a half. It was more the line for me. Okay, yeah. Uh, I understand. With them being higher ranked, Alabama not being ranked, coming off a loss, I also – Looked into the a little bit deeper into this one. Auburn is fifth in the country in the Ken Palm ranking, seventh in adjusted defense. So it's the second game in a row for Alabama facing a, a very highly touted defense. Uh, Auburn also eighth in the country in adjusted offense. Alabama 66th in adjusted defense. Mm-hmm. We saw how they handled Tennessee's high powered offense last week in an offense that is not ranked in the top 10 in the country. So Auburn presents a huge threat for them. I don't think they'll be intimidated by that environment. They've got, they got a huge 25 point win at Bud Walton. Uh, Mm -hmm. against a a good Arkansas team a couple weeks back so I like that spot for them and To me, it was more the shooting numbers. It was similar to what Tennessee had been doing to teams. Uh, They've held their opponents under 40% shooting in four of their conference wins. Uh, They are perfect still in conference play as well, but they held A&M to 29% from the field, 16% from three, Arkansas 31% from the field. Uh, So, you know, they're not allowing teams to shoot well, Mm -hmm. and for a team that shoots well in Alabama, that does not bode very well um, playing against you know an Auburn team that defends that well. They can also score a ton of points, by the way, scoring in the 90s constantly. So, uh, I like Auburn plus three and a half. We'll take the friendly wager yeah. on that one, I guess. Uh, my second one is Marquette minus 13 and a half at DePaul. Mm-hmm. Uh, DePaul is not a good team. Um, they are three and 15 They are struggling, losing to teams badly. I mean, Providence by 38, Villanova by 25, Creighton by 26, UConn by 29. Mm -hmm. Uh, This game is at DePaul. I don't think it matters. Marquette's a top-ten team for a reason. they got a ton of talent. Uh, They're just going to overwhelm DePaul. Again, just not a very good team, and I thought the line for this game would be a little bit bigger than it was. So 13-and-a-half, I think that's a pretty good number uh, to take even on the road. Uh, in that one. And I go back to the NBA. I took a night off from the NBA. Didn't see anything uh, last night that I liked. I actually switched this one. I was gonna take the Thunder tonight on the road, but instead I like this Minnesota matchup a lot better. Minus eleven and a half at Washington. You want to talk about a bounce back spot. Yeah. After what we saw the the disaster of a fourth quarter that we saw against Charlotte. Minnesota has an opportunity to Wipe the slate clean. Say, you know what? It was it was bad. It was a mistake. It was you know a total disaster. But we can move on. We can bounce back. This is not a good Wizards team at all. No. Uh, and even on the road, a still a dominant Minnesota team, uh, one of the class of the West. So
0: I like them at minus eleven and a half on the road. All right. So we got minus three for Illinois. Alabama minus 3.5 for me. Auburn plus 3.5 for Dawson. A little frame, a friendly wager there. Uh, Nevada minus 4.5 for me. Minnesota Timberwolves minus 11.5. And then uh, Marquette minus 13.5. Your best bets for the night. Um, so I guess we'll just real quick kind of round out with the, the hardball news. Um, I, I think, uh, the, uh, once again, a, a home run higher for them. And I think this helps them get back into the the competitive sports scene in Los Angeles. Um, Lakers, always going to be a, a Laker town. The Dodgers, always going to be a Dodger town. Clippers are building a new stadium. Um, that's going to be a lot of eye candy over there. Obviously, the Angels, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not big on the Angels, but um, it's still there. So there's... And also the the Rams, who just won a Super Bowl um, after being there for, what, two years. So um, it's a lot of competition. And, and when you have competition, you have to put yourself ahead of the competition. And I think you have to do that by making a home run higher like it was in Harbaugh. And you've got the town on the roster to be able to be successful. Um, is, is, this, is next year a, a playoff spot? I mean, is that a, a playoff spot or bust kind of situation now it, with Harbaugh in the mix? It feels that way. It feels
1: like they automatically vault to the second best team in the AFC West right off the bat. Um, and I would argue already a top seven team in the AFC with Harbaugh at the helm. They have the talent in place. Uh, like like we've been saying, they needed a coach that could guide them mm-hmm. there, um, and the experience for Harbaugh tells me that they're they're ready to go and they're they're gonna win, uh, and get back to the postseason and, and maybe even put up a fight in the postseason. Yeah, even just with the roster they have now, I don't even know what they're gonna do in the off season yet. I'm sure we'll get into that when we get closer to the off season. Um, but they've got an opportunity to yeah, absolutely win immediately, be a playoff team, mm-hmm. um, and be a playoff team for several years now with their uh, with their guy at, at coach and their guy at quarterback.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, th- I think this is – it's just funny how we were uh, <laughs> talking about it earlier. So the Chargers are scheduled to play the Baltimore Ravens next season at SoFi Stadium, uh, which will now be a rematch of the Harbaugh Bowl. Mm. Um, that, that'll be fun. I, I think it's good for good for the Harbaugh's, good for Jim, um, good for Michigan too and the fact that I know they're probably not happy he's leaving, but at least he went off on the right note. He stayed until – he delivered on his promise. I, I think they, they can't be mad at him for that. Um, and also, you got to think, uh, you're losing Corum, you're losing J.J. McCarthy, you're losing uh, Junior Colson. A lot of, lot of key pieces on that team are all gone. Um, and the way college football rolls, you kind of ride with a unit for two to three years, um, and then those guys graduate, you move on to the next group, um, so it was going to be a situation where Michigan was now kind of getting a new group together and, and, and trying to run for a couple of seasons. So I think this was the perfect time for him to go. Um, I, I think I think we've kind of covered all the bases here uh, of with it. And um, Jim Harbaugh headed to the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, coming up in the next hour, Doc Rivers hired to be the next Milwaukee Bucks head coach. Could the Chiefs possibly get blown out? and what is at stake for Brock Purdy and what I'm calling a Purdy opportunity. (laughs) Stay right here on Overtime.